Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. I'm Paul. And I'm Rad. And today we dive into hell for Helldivers 2. Beyonce knows how much we're looking forward to a new album, sorry, and the latest in TikTok drama, Muggate. <laughs> That's right, we certainly have opinions. And we've got a couple of opinions for you on the brand new game, Helldivers 2. Came out just a couple of days ago, and Paul, we have been glued to it. <laughs> yeah, look, while Travis and Taylor Swift were doing whatever they were doing at the Super Bowl, look, I didn't see it, but I assume it went down just like that bit in high school the musical you know where she stands up in the crowd and he sings and they sing I assume that's how it panned out we weren't watching we were playing Helldivers 2 and good god this game has got its hooks in rad not only were we not watching the Super Bowl we actually were also not recording this podcast We usually record on a Monday uh, and then release on a Tuesday morning. Um, We're recording this now on a Tuesday morning because we... we Look, I'm going to say it's work. I'm going to say that it's work, but we sure did postpone the recording because we're like, do you want to play another round of Helldivers 2? Oh, yeah, it's research. We probably should play a bit more so we know what we're talking about, right? (laughs) We're having so much fun. Look, Helldivers 2 was not something I was expecting to love as much as I did, but good God, if a game makes you delay the release of the show where you're reviewing the game, I think that's a ringing endorsement, right? Absolutely. So it's a game that is a third-person shooter with up Mm -hmm. to four players squads battling for democracy in the only way that we know how which of course is shooting stuff blowing stuff up they call it the democratic shotgun to the face (laughs) it does have its tongue firmly in cheek and it starts with a cinematic which is basically just starship troopers join the hell divers You're part of a fascist American type kind of planet called Super Earth, and you are sweeping across the galaxy, eradicating various alien species, be they bugs or robots, and you're doing so with as many guns as possible. Now, the first game, Rad, was a top-down isometric game. This is basically the same game, but it's a third-person shooter and is therefore right up my alley. Would we say that even like if you've got similar gameplay loops or themes or whatever, would we say that an isometric game is basically like a third person shooter i feel like that switch just immediately changes a lot of things the main thing it keeps right apart from all the trappings and you know even everything down to the typefaces and the themes and the stories is one of the things you do whilst you are completing objectives is you deploy what are called stratagems now a stratagem is like an aerial strike it's a call for ammo it's a heavy weapons drop whatever it is but in order to call it in and this is one of my favorite things about this game you basically have to do 
a Konami cheat code style button mash. So a prompt comes up and in the middle of combat, you're going left, right, left, right, up, down, down, up. And if you <laughs> f*** it up, you're going to start again. And to be fair, Rad, this is the kind of thing that makes the game funny and weird. You are trying to play mini games under fire. Now, I don't... I've Look, I've never served in the military. I'm assuming it's nothing like <laughs> this. But, <laughs> but one thing... Yeah, when they get back from the war in the Gulf, the one thing they say is that their thumbs hurt. But what I will say, Rad, mm. is that the first game had those exact same minigames. The first game had that aspect of the game. And I think the DNA has carried through, if not the actual, you know, style of gameplay. Look, I really loved that Konami cheat code uh, method of getting your drops. And also you do the same thing to, for example, unlock terminals in the world um, as Mm. you're completing missions and objectives. And it just adds this like, yeah, little extra bit of tension to the game. But also (laughs) I feel like it, Uh, gives you a sense of mastery as you continue to play because the codes for each individual stratagem that you want to launch are the same each time. So for example, there's an orbital strike and that's always, I think it's right, right up, if I remember correctly. I thought it was up, up, right or down, down, right. But it's a, you're right, it is, it's the same. Okay, you accidentally just called tech support during the middle of the fight. You called the the wrong backup but to be fair you started making a similar mistake so you were calling in either a machine gun turret or a machine gun to use yourself and in the middle of a fight you're like i got it backups here and this just closet opens with a gun in it that's very different but it does add a certain chaos to the proceedings no i was doing the worst version which was i was calling the sentry turret at the beginning of the game when there's no enemies about because I'm trying to call in a machine (laughs) gun to use to carry around with me. So I'm dropping my turret and then it's like a, I don't know, three or four minute cooldown or something where Mm, I'm just stuck without it. It made me so angry every (laughs) single time and yet I kept doing it. Uh, But that is my bad because they do color code them to give you a better sense of what it is that you're going to be deploying. And... Mm. It has these kind of massive tech trees or upgrade trees that let you go through and pick, you know, all different um, things to help you out and weapons, etc. So that you can kind of tailor the game to what you find enjoyable, but also just feel like you're getting stronger. And that sense of progression, I feel, is something that's really important in games to me because I want to feel like I'm turning into a boss bitch. And what's really nice, right, is there is a balance to this, right? So if you play with somebody and they say they're level 23 and they've got some cool new strafing orbital strike, whatever, it's not technically DPS-wise too much more powerful than the basic bitch aerial strike that you get at the start of the game. It's just a re-kind of aligning of different stats and priorities. For example, one of the end game things you can unlock is a jetpack. Now, Rad... Jetpacks are cool, but in this game, not that useful. So it's like you're working your way towards just like readjustments, right? The sliders are moving around. You're not going to feel too OP at any point. I don't know, Paul. I think I might disagree on that because even just like the couple extra stratagems that I unlocked, for example, Mm. I unlocked uh, a thing that you chuck down and it throws out a bunch of mines to create a minefield that when enemies or or yourself uh, walk over, they explode. Yeah. I think that was great. Like to me, that really added an extra element to not only strategy, um, but also to enjoyment of the game. Um, I did feel more powerful. I was playing this morning. There's a friend of mine who begged me to get on board and just have a quick match with him, right? So we hopped on easy and just had a quick match. Are you cheating on me? 
No, no, I'm not saying. Holdovers cheating on me. (laughs) I got like five XP. But he had somehow unlocked something called a hell bomb. Now, Rad, this was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So he deploys this little drone at at the beginning of like a compound full of nests and monsters swarming out. And he goes, watch this. He punches in a code and he just goes, run. And we ran as far as we could, and it just nuked this place from orbit. Now, the trade-off is, yes, it's powerful, but in terms of the balance I was talking about, you have to go in on foot, activate it, mm. and then get out on foot. You see what I mean? So it is more powerful, but there are tra- there are trade-offs, right? So yeah. I feel like there there's an inherent look-at-my-cool-toys aspect of this game, <laughs> but, but I haven't yet felt like... Like there's somebody in there with kind of god-tier gear, which I have to grind towards. There is a grind, but it doesn't feel like a grind grind. I also really liked that you are rewarded for grinding in this game in the way that, to me, you should be rewarded, particularly in a game that costs money up front. This isn't a free-to-play game Mm -hmm. uh, because you can earn medals, which you can spend on... What's basically like a battle pass. It feels like a battle pass. It's an in-universe battle pass, basically. It's called War Bonds, but it's the same thing. Yeah, so you can get different weapons uh, and cosmetics and armor, etc. But you can also, in the game, earn super credits, which is the premium currency. So you can Mm. spend real-world dollars in order to buy super credits, or you can unlock them in the game just by playing, finding them in the world, or buying them with medals in these war bonds. And to me, that is like chef's kiss, hats off to the devs. So happy with that because nothing sucks more than paying money for a game and then not being able to unlock stuff from your love and dedication for the game and instead having to fork over more money. Like, that makes me angry. Let me buy hats, please. But also the (laughs) fact that you can just... You're right, it isn't free to play. And I play a lot of Fortnite, you play a lot of Fortnite. There's a lot of kind of freemium games that I dabble in. And I love the fact that you can sort of hop on a season pass, grind, unlock cool skins, whatever. Like, Fortnite's got a new Ninja Turtles uh, kind of season pass. You can unlock various Shredder and Splinter augments and armor and skins, and that's cool. But in this game, everything's there. You paid for the game up front. You're right. It's all there in the initial package. And it's so goofy and self-aware. And the gameplay loop is so satisfying that by the time we finish around, we're like, do you want one more? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we didn't get an episode up in time. (laughs) (laughs) That is also absolutely the sign of a good game, a a fun game. And you're right. The kind of humor and style and... uh, flavor text of it all is so enjoyable. Yeah, and speaking of which, when you start the game, Rad, it prompts you to name your ship. Now, it didn't really give me much time or setup, so it just sort of gives you like a, it's like from a pull-down menu, you get to pick verbs and adjectives. We've both picked a very similar ship name. Mine is the (laughs) Princess of Family Values, and what is yours? Protector of Family Values. (laughs) Now, we picked these independently as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I... You know, there's a sicko part of me that likes the weird, almost ultra-conservative trad wife kind of energy of protector of family values. Yeah. To that point, we scream the word democracy a lot on voice chat when we play this game. Like, everything we do is for democracy. We're really getting into character. It's just, it's so over the top. One of the load screens, you know, it comes up with kind of uh, player tips and advice for, you know, press R to reload, or did you know you could do this? One here says, if you notice a squad mate sympathizing with an enemy, report them to your democracy officer, Thought crimes kill. And I mean, that just perfectly (laughs) sums up the tone of this game. It really does. 
and when you're in like waiting menus and things like that or loading screens for the game, uh, it'll say waiting democratically. To that point, there were quite a few kind of bugs, not because the game was, you know, broken or anything, but I just think they weren't anticipating this level of fervor for the game. I mean, the head of the company got online and said, we've clocked a million copies of the game. It's just, it's buckling under the strain of how much people are enjoying it, which I think is a really nice endorsement. So we saw waiting democratically a lot. And in our frustration of trying to connect to the servers and jump into a squad together, uh, Paul found out a little tip online that actually, (laughs) it sounds crazy, but it actually seemed to help. And it's... It's so silly to the point where I almost think this is superstition. It's almost meta. So here's the thing. The opening cutscene is a jingoistic propaganda video basically explaining to you why you should go to the front and fight in these wars, right? And people were noticing that when you log in, skip the cutscene, you can't actually join the game. The lobby doesn't let you in. And someone on Reddit went, hey, I've noticed that if you let the propaganda video play, the game works. And I was like, that's bullshit. That can't work. Nope. Every single time. (laughs) So from a like meta perspective, the fact that they won't let you join the war unless you've done the propaganda time is just... Look, again, it's probably just a coincidence, but it's a very funny one. I think it's just a coincidence. And it could almost be one of those things where like it just randomly works or doesn't work but it feels Mm. like watching the video helps and look that's good enough for me if I'm getting into the game I'm happy but the real question with games like this is do you Mm. think that it's gonna have longevity do you think that Helldivers 2 is gonna last and we'll be playing this in a couple months time or is this a flash in the pan few weeks and When I think of this game, I think of games like The Division 2, which has a really great gameplay loop, really fun guns, really great co-op, and the world you're in is super engaging, and obviously it's New York City, Washington DC, whatever, you are enjoying traversing the world. Helldivers 2 has you dropping into different alien biomes, running around, achieving goals, and, you know, getting out of there. If they add things like boss fights, dungeons, shit like that, world events, and if they make it dynamic, maybe give us some cities to traverse i think keeping the content rolling in and keeping the game world varied is going to make it last right now i'm sitting here going this could be a really fun month of our lives but if they keep this juiced up this could go for a long time what about you i think it has the makings of something that could be quite special but i think you're right there also needs to be a little bit more variety in maps biomes uh enemy types right now i think there's three uh enemy types and biomes but we've only played two of them Mm. it does look like on the map there is space for more to be unlocked i also think that the maps need to be bigger from time to time they are actually quite small and clustered um i also think that the mission types could use with a little bit more variance basically what i'm saying over and over again (laughs) is that there needs to be a bit more variety but what's there right now you can mm-hmm. definitely lose a lot of time and have a lot of fun, especially if you've got friends that you can link in with. There is crossplay. I've been playing on PS5 and Paul has been on PC and that has worked really smoothly. I mean, as as far as I could tell, <laughs> the crossplay hasn't been the problem, I don't think. I think it's just the general servers that have been a bit yeah. overloaded. But we have been having such a great time with this game. And we're probably going to play more after we finish recording this podcast. For Democracy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As a connoisseur of the internet, I have noticed uh, something happening on TikTok recently that I simply must talk about because if there's one thing that I love... It's silly internet drama. And I'm completely in the dark on this, so please enlighten me, Rad. Uh, so <laughs> there's two there's two people fighting on TikTok. And I say two people fighting, but as it always goes with these types of things, thousands of other people are also getting in on the conversation. Okay. And this is extra relevant because these are two Australian creators. Oh, oh, juicy local flavor. Yum yum. Yeah. So let me introduce you to Muggate. What the? F- Hang on. This this isn't some spin-off from the Stanley Cup bullshit from weeks ago, is it? This is completely different, <laughs> right? This is completely different. Okay, okay, fill me in. So, Paul, how much would you pay for a artisan handmade mug? Mm, maximum 50 AUD. It'd have to be pretty special as well, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, there's a creator named Sophia Begg who is the mug buyer. She mm-hmm. has 1.2 million followers. Uh, she's kind of like a Gen Z... Uh, vlogger, influencer, she does kind of beauty hauls, outfit inspiration, uh, very kind of join me, get ready with me, here's my life type stuff. Sure, okay. Then there's Shelby Sherritt, who is the mug maker. Mm-hmm. She has 2 million followers and I'd seen her stuff around. Uh, she does like cute mugs and ceramics with you know, strawberries painted on them or little mushrooms coming out of them. Mm. Very sort of kitschy, almost slightly fairyland, cutesy type stuff. Very, very charming. Okay. So in December, Sophia made a video doing a Christmas haul of a bunch of different stuff that she had bought. And in that video, she had a little strawberry mug. Okay. So it's not in the shape of a strawberry. It's just a mug with strawberries painted on it. Mm -hmm. And it has... Handles on either side, kind of like a sippy cup. Okay. And she shared that she had purchased this mug from the Finders Keepers Market in Sydney. And she told a little story about it, said how it's really cute, but it's small. She thinks the two handles are kind of silly. She doesn't quite get it. And that when she purchased this mug, she picked it up and said, I'd like this one. And the seller was like, great, sure. Handed her the FPOS machine. And she just went to tap without having had a conversation about how much it cost first. Mm -hmm. And that mug came up to $125. Get absolutely fucked. What? Like, I mean, are you you paying for the extra handle? Like, $125? (laughs) (laughs) You're actually getting two mugs? (laughs) (laughs) Does it magically refill itself with beverages when you leave it alone? That is, okay, that is a lot of money. It is. It is a lot of money. I don't think that there's anyone in the world that is going to go, that is a cheap or super reasonably priced mug. Like, it's expensive. Yeah. And we place value on things in different ways. We'll get to that later. But back to the story. Uh, Sophia posted this video and said, really cute mug. Holy shit, didn't expect it to cost that much. (laughs) Yeah. Then just recently in like... Jan Feb, yeah. Shelby made a video responding 
And keep in mind, Sophia did not name who the maker of this mug was. She didn't name the business or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, although if you were familiar with Shelby's work, you probably could tell. Yeah. Shelby responded and basically said, you're hurting small businesses by not valuing my product and by saying things like this. You came through and you touched everything and picked up things. You saw the prices on the bottom of the mugs and you still chose to buy it. So this is essentially your fault. Right. Furthermore, if you want, send me the mug back. I'll issue you a refund. Also, those two handles are for accessibility for people with disabilities that can't necessarily hold a a classic one-handled mug. And I gotta say, her tone in the video was pretty grumpy. I'll say grumpy. (laughs) Sophia's video was quite lighthearted of like, you know, look at all these things I got. Holy shit, look at this mug. And Shelby was not happy whatsoever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sophia then responded back. Yeah, yeah. And said, oi, I don't even know if it was you who served me because I remember the person serving me looked different. Yeah. I did not come through and touch a bunch of stuff. I didn't know how much it cost. Leave me alone, basically. (laughs) I didn't say that, you know, your work isn't worth it necessarily. I just said it was expensive. Yeah. And honestly, fair enough, Sophia, because it is expensive. That's not up for debate. I'm sorry. (laughs) Look, that's a fact. (laughs) That's factual. Shelby, the mug maker, has since deleted her video. Uh I suppose potentially going into hiding from the backlash because this has conjured up a frenzy of debate amongst people. Some saying, you know, you got to value small businesses and artisans and they can charge what they want, which is true. They can charge what they want. Yeah. And other people saying $125 for a mug. Yeah. Are you for real? Yeah. And look. $125 $125 for a mug. Are you for real? <laughs> that's that's a lot of money. That's half a Paul McCartney ticket. I know that's a weird way to kind of look at that amount of money, but you can do a lot with $125. But to go, this mug's a bit expensive and have the maker go, f*** you, you piece of shit. And then just like, that's it's, it's super aggy. <laughs> but has, has the mug maker come out of hiding yet? I don't believe so, no. I think it's maybe also important to note that While Shelby may, you know, uh, technically be a small business, she also has 2 million followers. Like that's, that's a significant number of people. When you think small businesses or local artisans, you think you're maybe well known in your suburb or your town, but not that you have like an international following of millions of people. To be fair, they may not all buy her products, but I would say, I would say this is a mid-sized business maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Or mid-sized known. Yeah, it's a it's it's on its way to becoming big-ish. I mean, if I walk past a lemonade stand, Rad, and the kid sells me the lemonade and I tap without looking and it's $19 for a cup of lemonade and I get online, I'm like, it's a bit expensive. And then the kid comes to my house with like and puts a dead horse's head in my bed. There are ways to react proportionately to a, hey, I think this is a bit expensive. But let me just say, Rad, I have regularly tapped without looking. I do that occasionally because my assumption is that it, it happens with baked goods all the time, like edible stuff particularly. I'll go to the market, yes. I'll buy some bespoke meringue thing and it'll go $12 and I'm like, Jesus Christ. But you know what I do? I go, that's on me. Like that that, that was on me. I should have yeah. asked, I should have checked. It, and you know what? It was delicious. It was a small business and it seems like the tone wasn't a teardown. 
But maybe if you have a grievance with somebody about the way they talked about your stuff, you can just message them privately, right? You don't need to put them on blast publicly. And that is one of the things that I feel continues to pop up in this social media era. Because mm. you remember Cakegate? Uh, no. Cakegate was when uh, Kylie Allen, who is a baker in West Virginia in the US, mm. uh, made a TikTok complaining about an experience she had with a client who ordered her signature six-layer rainbow cake, mm -hmm. and then that customer complained about the cake on social media. Okay. And so Kylie, the baker, in yeah. her video is basically like, you know, she was really rude about the pricing, she didn't like the cake, and she just created problems for my small business. It was then revealed that the cake that she made looked like dog shit, and cost $84. <laughs> US dollars? Yeah, US dollars. Oh my God. Oh my God. She essentially just like called herself out. She she drew the spotlight to herself yeah. and made everybody look at, honestly, like I would say a pretty kind of happy home baker level cake uh, because yeah. she wanted to put this customer on blast. So I think, you know, we are seeing more and more these instances of people maybe trying to collect a little bit of online clout and instead uh, stitching themselves up. But it is worth noting as well that Muggate has gone viral. It's gone global. And right. both Sophia and Shelby are in some ways reaping the benefit of fame because whether you agree with her or not, Shelby now has a lot more people seeing her mugs and they could see them and go, hey, that's super cute. I have a spare $125 that I don't want, but I do want that mug. They say no publicity is bad publicity. And uh, unfortunately, that might actually be true. Yeah, and it's also stirred up an interesting conversation amongst the disabled community because there's also a lot of people very rightly saying, oi, $125 isn't accessible. Don't try oh, to... Shit, that's a good point. Yeah, don't try to use us as like an excuse for your mug. Yeah. Like, it. cool that you made it, but don't go... Because Shelby kind of in her video like had her brow very furrowed and said... In particular, that mug is really special because it may look like just a sippy cup to you, but it actually falls under the dignity mug category where it has a double handle to help people that have different needs and different disabilities that require to handle mugs to handle their cup. Oh, f*** off. You're being ableist for calling me on my $125 mug. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Welcome to my cool new house. I'm going to charge people with wheelchairs $25 to use the ramp. Get fucked. <laughs> like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Look, uh, yes, we're, we're clearly very Team Sophia on this one. Um... <laughs> yeah, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also on Team Beyonce. Listen... Right, I wanted to close this episode out because we started with Helldivers 2, a very, very good sequel. Another very good sequel that's on the way is Renaissance 2. So during the Super Bowl, there was a Verizon ad where Beyonce was trying to break the internet. Look it up. It's a really, really cute ad. It's got Tony Hale from Arrested Development. And the premise is she's trying to break the internet by doing increasingly, like, clickbaity things. And it finishes with her going, Okay, they ready. Drop the new music. And then she drops a teaser for Renaissance Part 2 which is the follow-up to Renaissance, which is the incredible album she did last year. It was a wonderful album. It was a tribute to queer musicians and artists and performers who built the ballroom movement. And it, it's an absolute amazing album full of bangers, but she's dropped this teaser and the first two tracks from this new album on Tidal. And I had to actually Google what Tidal was. It's a streaming service, which... <laughs> 
nobody <laughs> uses. So you can listen to them on uh, YouTube right now. But it's a country music album. I mean, should this come as a surprise, Rad? Because Beyonce wore a white Stetson to the Grammys last week, and she wore a custom-made cowboy suit, which was, fun fact, designed for Louis Vuitton by Pharrell Williams. And she was riding a horse on the cover of Renaissance and the Knowles clan are from Texas. I mean, it feels like country's an interesting place for her to go. As she said in the culturally important song Formation, My Daddy Alabama, <laughs> Mama Louisiana. She has she has roots, you know, yeah. uh, in the land of country. And while it typically hasn't been uh, the genre that she's lent towards, I, I think, you know, she's had those allusions to it and she's kind of been moving more and more towards uh, having slight, I guess... <sighs> I don't know if I'd say country elements, but like South elements in her music, particularly through Lemonade. Um, So Mm -hmm. in that regard, I don't think that it's surprising because uh, it's just a connection with a certain aspect of her identity. But as a big time country music fan, like I almost exclusively listen to country music at times. I don't know if I would call these songs country. That's interesting because you've actually given me playlists of your country music and I listened to old country music and I had trouble acclimating to your country music. It felt Mm. like your country music was an interesting, like someone had taken the ball from, you know, the old stuff and ran with it in really interesting new directions, but taken it more poppy. It was more produced and it did take me a while to sort of adjust to your country music and now I'm obsessed with it. Okay, that is fair. I listened to like top 40s pop country music about guys singing about girls in blue jeans and going swimming down by the river. Um, <laughs> and if you're looking more at more at like classic or older country music, more simple, just guitar and a slightly more droning voice. And I don't know what they sing about dogs dying and wheat. What's interesting is dogs dying and wheat. I find more palatable than I know you don't listen to this stuff, but there is a strain of country music, which is very like flag wavy pro troops kind of weird patriotism. Oh no, I listen to some of it. Well, yeah, no, I, it definitely bleeds in there, but the stuff you listen to is also <laughs> like, it's very wholesome. Whereas I'm talking like Hank Lachlan, Charlie Rich, Tennessee, Ernie Ford, you know, uh, like stuff like that, which is generally, it generally settles into very relatable stories about love, but also Marty Robbins singing about cowboys, you know, Jolene. It does have that same DNA, but what's interesting to me, Rad, is the first of the two tracks, 16 Carriages, has a sort of slow driving rhythmic kind of clapping beat which sounds like someone whacking the flank of a horse but it also evokes gospel to me and I know that country borrows some DNA from gospel so it feels a little bit like she's reclaiming the genre oh absolutely there's a moment in the song where all the vocals kind of layer and she's got these bunch of harmonies going sounds a bit like a choir that I literally was like oh Beyonce take me to church It's so good. And what's interesting is the term country is interesting because, you know, uh, Dolly Parton got a lot of the DNA of her music from like Appalachian folk songs, which come from very specific parts of America. And America is 
fucking huge. So when you say country, really it's big enough to fit a multitude of countries, which means a multitude of different types of country music. And this feels like a really cool, a cool, maybe it's a new direction, I'm not sure whether it's a tribute, but the teaser literally has a bunch of beautiful crinkly-eyed old men staring up at this billboard with Beyonce on it as she drives uh, through the kind of Texas landscape. It doesn't feel like a takedown of country, it feels like an addition to it to me. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's something that Beyonce has typically done really well, especially as she continues to evolve as an artist. I think that Mm. she's just becoming more and more artistically rich and interesting. And yeah, delving into these spaces that in a lot of ways, I think that only Beyonce can do because she's got uh, the star power and kind of the gravitas to be able to do it in a way that feels free because she doesn't need to appeal to anyone. She's going to be successful either way. She's not putting on a bit. She's just exploring as an artist at this point, which I think is really fun. But I really felt listening to these songs that you can feel uh, kind of the tonality and style of her voice in a way that I haven't connected with in a little while. Like she does have quite a polished R&B voice that I think harks back to her roots in like Destiny's Child and things like that because when you Mm. add it to especially in uh, the second track Texas Hold'em when you add it to music that is a little bit more stylistically divergent from what she's historically done you hear the polish and inflection of that kind of R&B style more than you did in Lemonade where it's still a bit more poppy or Renaissance One where she's gone, you know, full club. And actually, speaking of Lemonade, she had some songs that had a bit of, I would say, like Southern country influence in there too. Yes, that's very, very true. And also Solange has occasionally strayed into that realm, especially with her most recent album. I mean, the Knowles sisters understand this part of the world in a really interesting way. And I think you're right. It doesn't feel like she has anything to prove. Right, She's not trying to go, hey, hey, look what I can do. It doesn't feel showy or desperate. But also it's got me wondering what the hell part three is going to be. Like what genres hasn't she conquered? I mean, first of all, when Renaissance came out and I heard Break My Soul, I was worried she couldn't sustain that level of greatness throughout an entire album. Uh, I'm not going to make the same mistake here. I am well and truly in. Renaissance three opera album, calling it now. Gregorian chants. Yeah. (laughs) But if you haven't heard these two new tracks from Beyonce, 16 Carriages and Texas Hold'em, you can find them on Tidal or over on YouTube. And if you do go and look at the YouTube one, she's got these uh, visualizer videos, which are just kind of loops of uh, little moments that she's put together. And can I just say, number one, she's serving a lot of titties. Yes, she is. And number two, I don't know why, but I didn't expect Beyonce to have abs, but she kind of does. I'm so glad that in the year of our Lord 2024, we get a Beyonce country album. I'm just hoping it goes full on country. That is it from this episode of Game for Anything. I'm Rad. That's Paul. You're you. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.